0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message.
1: We're in, uh, we're in Meet the Family 6 this morning, believe it or not. This is our sixth morning doing this, another couple of mornings. Um, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to journey through um, some big life questions and issues. They've probably all been pretty big life issues, but um, I think this week and next week are are quite precarious in that they're very vulnerable and very personal, because we're going to talk about um, um, what happens when disappointment comes. I have a friend who who pastors who did a, a series, and I love the title. I'd love to steal it sometime, but he did a little series called A Disobedient God, and I love the title. I love the title. Now, he was playing games, as preachers do, um, and he was saying that, what do we do when life disappoints us? What do we do when um, God, we're disappointed with God? What do we do with that? What do we do with a a disobedient God? What do we do when God doesn't do what we tell him? (laughs) Because we all like God to do what we tell Him to do, don't we? And do the things the way we want them to be done. And uh, we'll maybe we'll maybe tune into that a little bit more next week. The whole idea of um, a disobedient God and looking at a wee bit of disappointment as well. Maybe we'll talk a wee bit more about that next week. But this week we're going to talk about a lady in the Bible that maybe I'm not that sure I've ever preached on this lady before. Um, I've certainly, certainly preached on her daughter-in-law. Her daughter-in-law is called Ruth. But I've never preached on this wonderful lady. And um, this wonderful lady is found, of course, in the little book of Ruth, which is just four chapters. And when you locate the book of Ruth, if you look it up, you'll find that it lands just between the book of Judges. If you look back, you'll get Judges. And if you look forward, you'll get Samuel. All right? And this little book lands right in the middle. And, um, and it, it's interesting because... Judges, of course, is the rule of the judges, (laughs) Uh, and Samuel is where the kings start to reign, and it's pretty interesting if you look at the context um, of, of where this little book. So this little book weaves its way into the middle of a lost nation who's forgotten who they are. They've forgotten their deliverance by God. They've forgotten all the things that happened through Moses delivering them out of Egypt, out of 430 years of bondage. Interesting, isn't it? I was reading this this week that. When, when God delivered, when Israel left, when Israel left Egypt, they left Egypt on the last day of the 430th year. God said they'd be in, in bondage for 430 years. And I didn't actually realize this before, but they left Israel and the night of the Passover was the last day of the 430th year. Pretty, God's pretty good at keeping his word, isn't he? And um, so when you, when you look at this sort of little book, it's uh, it's right in the middle, of, it weaves us way into the middle of a lost nation who's forgotten his deliverance by God. And I think it's there, I think it's there to, to show us that God actually works in dark times. I think that's why it's there. Um, it's just four little chapters. You can read it in minutes, really. Um, it's a good we read at one go. Um, so if you want to do that, that'd be good. Now, Judges was a barbaric time, really. It was it was barbaric. It was a time of tribal civil war, really, the Book of Judges. The book of Samuel that introduces the kings is a is is just a book of rebellion really. Because it is like where the children of Israel saying, God, we don't want you, we want a king. We'd rather have an earthly king, we don't want you to be our king. So it's a, this this is where this little book comes in. Now it's a book, I think, about loss and grief and um, and loneliness, and we all know that that can change a person, all right, um, and no one knows this better than Naomi um, when the scene unfolds, because after moving from, uh, a foreign, from, from Bethlehem, which is interesting, the word Bethlehem, the name Bethlehem means house of bread, and um, there was no bread, <laughs> and so the, the, it tells us that she moved and into a foreign country to escape the famine, and she lost her husband, Elimelech, that's verse 3. And then 10 years later, she lost her two sons. So it's pretty grueling, all right? Um, driven from her home by famine, robbed of her loved ones by death. Naomi was a pleasant woman who had a really full life when she left Bethlehem. And in verse 19, I'm just giving you a broad brush stroke of the, the book, and then I'm going to give you three points and then introduce our guest to you. Um When she comes home, verse 19 tells us that um, uh, she's coming home a grieving widow and even her friends and family don't recognize. Can this be Naomi? Luckily, don't even recognize her. But she's not forgotten or without hope as we continue to read in the book because God's plan is just starting to unfold, which I love. And uh, many readers, I'm sure, have heard of Naomi. Again, I say I've never preached on her. Um, I've never heard a sermon actually on Naomi from anybody, really. And uh, uh, we stumble on her name, maybe in Christian books and things like that, when people are telling us how to live like a Ruth, but never really like a Naomi. We're not really hearing her name a lot. But as uh, Naomi returns to Moab um, from Moab to Bethlehem, her Moabite daughter-in-law, Ruth, she's two daughters in laws, so we'll look at that in a moment. Her one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, accompanies her, and Ruth takes care of Naomi. Um, while God moves in to redeem both Ruth and Naomi's circumstances. Now again I'm say i just giving you a broad brush stroke of the book you can read and study it. I haven't time to um, give you all the details of it but who exactly was Naomi and why should readers have sympathy for her circumstances and what can we learn from her? Um, These are the questions that we're going to try and ask and answer today if we can all right now it may seem odd that Naomi allowed her two sons to marry Moabite wives or they were foreign wives and um, but we have to ask ourselves how they managed to get into that land in the first place Um, uh, and of course we mentioned this at the start what happened was There was a a famine in the land. They stationed themselves in Moab during the time of the judges, right before Israel was ruled by kings, we said. And a famine swept Israel. Bethlehem, the house of bread, has no bread. So Naomi's family settled temporarily in Moab. I think they didn't plan to live there all their lives, but they'd gone there temporarily. And there her two sons, Malam and Chilion, found wives I haven't time to expound the names. The names are very interesting if you look up the meanings of them, but you can do that yourself. Now, although we don't have exact dates when the narrative took place, we can sort of assume a little bit where it lands between judges and kings. And what's really interesting was about this time that Israel was being oppressed by many foreign powers. And one of those powers was Moab. The Moabites were the enemies to Israel. And so they're right down in with their enemies. And nevertheless, this is the most powerful thing about it. God carries the a genealogical, a genealogical line of Jesus through a Moabite woman, through a foreign woman named Ruth. She became an ancestor of Jesus. This is beautiful. Now, we don't know much about how Naomi's family members died. We could assume that maybe her husband died of old age. I'm not sure. But we can, I think we can rightfully assume that her sons didn't die of old age. There's many theories around disobedience for going down to Moab and all of that that loads of theologians have had over the years. But um, but we know that their deaths left Naomi embittered and in shock. We know that from the scripture. And no matter what the causes of their death, Naomi returns to Bethlehem. One of her foreign daughters-in-law insists that she joins her for the journey and Naomi relents and begrudgingly allows her to come. It's an interesting verse, verse 14 of chapter 1, where the walk her out of town, the two daughters-in-law walk her out of town and then she persuades them, she's persuading them to go back home and Orpah then decides she will go back home and Ruth says, no, I'm not going back home, I'm going with you. And it says in verse 14, they lifted up their voices and wept aloud. Sounds like a ladies' meeting, doesn't it? Um, so, sorry, that's uncalled for. Forgive me, please. That's the only joke today. But um, they uh, they lifted up their voice and then and they cried aloud. And this is a case with many women featured in scripture. We don't actually have an awful lot of detail about Naomi, really. We've just to pick through the context of the scripture. But we do know that her name means pleasant or sweet, which is lovely. And after she loses all of her male relatives, she actually changes her own name. She changes her name from sweet to bitter. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter. Now, name changes in the Bible have more than an extreme significance um, and uh, more than simply just a legal name change. Now, of course, a name change determined a person's character, determined life circumstances and purpose. And often God changes a person's name like Jacob to Israel Or my favorite one is Abram to Abraham. And I can imagine, because Abram means father. And remember that Abram didn't have any children until he was 100. Well, he had um, Ishmael a little bit earlier. But remember, all of his life he's called father and he didn't have any kids. So you can imagine him being the butt of many jokes at the well and things like that. So when God moves in to change his name, I'm thinking... Poor old Abram probably think, I am so glad to get rid of that name, God, thank you. And he says, what are you going to call me now? And God says, I'm going to call you father of many. <laughs> so thanks a lot, God, for that. So, um, But we do see other people change their own names, like Paul, the great apostle Paul, who changed his own name from Saul of Tarsus to Paul. And um, in the Bible, people who have personally changed their own names, have done so to reflect their new purpose. And so um, Naomi's widowed with no hope of a future, gives herself a new identity of bitterness, and she especially places blame on God who has sent her away. I said that she's embittered. Here's the scripture. She says, I went away, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has has afflicted me. She's blaming God. You can see this. Um, The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me how um, the uh, nevertheless God continues to move this is what I love about this story and he provides Ruth with someone known as a kinsman redeemer and a person who can essentially help the two widows not just Ruth but Naomi as well and Naomi and Ruth in their destitute circumstances God brings this man Boaz on the scene and furthermore through Ruth and Boaz lines comes the savior of the world in Jesus now I'm, I'm I'm not afraid to admit it, but I am a hopeless romantic. I love romance and I love romantic movies and all that sort of stuff. And so I love, love, love that the, the line of Jesus came through this love story. This, Ruth is one of the most beautiful love stories that comes out of tragedy and affliction. There's a beautiful love story that transpires out of it. And so even though Naomi was embittered, we see here from chapter three that she continues to look out for Ruth. She She wants Ruth to be well provided for instead of living just with her dejected mother-in-law. And and I think this is a far cry from all the uh, things that sometimes we can think about Naomi. Yes, she changed her name to reflect um, that she'd been saddened by life's circumstances, but it just really depicts how humans normally react while in grief. And um, I have been there. And uh, my family guest who's going to be with us in a moment has been there as well. So in the end, Naomi gains a son, and um, this blessing sustains her through her old age. So three quick points, and then we bring our guest up. All right, what can we learn from Naomi? Well, although Naomi appears to be sulking throughout the narrative, if we're patient and pick through it and pick through the clues, we can see that she is actually a really sweet and caring spirit, and Christians can learn a lot from Naomi, I believe, and her perspective, especially when navigating difficult circumstances. So the three things, number one, right? God continues to move during hard times. You need to hear that. Some people here um, who are going through really difficult times, who have lost loved ones, some maybe a little bit more, um, a little, uh, the time hasn't been that long from that's happened, and you can understand that the grief process is really difficult. Um, It mightn't just even be grief. It could be a divorce. It could be a some kind of a a, a breakdown and life's hard and you need to know that God continues to move during hard times and we can often feel abandoned when tragedy strikes and Naomi by no means had an easy go of things and in a foreign land she loses her husband her two sons but she faithfully journeys forth God continues to work just as he does in our lives and in the end Naomi gains a son and through her line the savior of the world redeems mankind now is that pretty cool or what. Um, the second thing that we can learn um, is that we can help others as a result of our most difficult times, all right? At first glance, we think that Naomi's doing absolutely nothing in the story because um, she gets sad that her family passes away. Ruth works in the field to provide for both of them, but we'll have to keep in mind that Naomi wasn't young and probably couldn't pull her weight in the field. And furthermore, I think grief had absolutely paralyzed her and um, nevertheless, as soon as she catches wind of, of Boaz, she praises the Lord and walks Ruth through the Israelite customs or proposal, how to get this man, This he knows this guy's got a shine for it, Ruth. That's the way we would see it, all right? She, Boaz, is, she's got a shine for Ruth and all the actions are showing that. Ruth picks this up, or not Ruth, Naomi picks this up and says to Ruth, here's what you need to do. You, don't let this guy go. Don't let him go. And I'm going to show you how to reel them in. All right? This is what Naomi's doing. Typical mother-in-law. Um, so, Lila's watching. I'm in trouble. Um, and and I, think, I think this is what, this very point is what Paul had in mind whenever um, 2 Corinthians 1, when he penned 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. I love this. It says, praise be to our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And that beautiful scripture? Like you need to read that and get it into your heart. God comforts us. Why? So we can actually comfort others. And uh, I think that's beautiful. And then the third final point god 's end result is always redemption and restoration he 's restoring this old world. we said this at communion all right and um, Naomi thought her family line had ended but God was God was working throughout all of this and even when we 've reached a dead end and can 't see how anything good can come out of the circumstances Naomi's story reminds us that God is always working out of redemption and Restoration, and in the midst of her crippling grief, she continues to look out for her daughter-in-law, despite tensions Israel would have experienced with Moab at the time, and Boaz taking a Moabite wife. All the culture things were going haywire, but once she senses that God's moving through through Boaz, she rejoices, and Naomi helps um, put a path in place to see redemption. It's a beautiful story, but I'm going to invite my guest up, so. Um, Olive is going to come, Olive Fenton, come on up Olive, I'll meet you because it's a bit dark in this corner here, that sounds really bad, I'm going to meet her in a dark corner doesn't it, so, um, (laughs) all right, good, Mm, that sounded so bad, (laughs) but there we go. (laughs) Um, Olive, first of all, can I just say a massive thank you to you, for agreeing to do this. Um, uh, it's a deeply personal conversation. Uh, it's a story of loss and grief. And um, so it's very vulnerable and very open. And um, first, I just want to say, on behalf of us all, um, give me a wee round of applause to encourage you. um, <clears throat> that's, your, that's your fan club. <clears throat> there you go, you've got a big fan club. Um, there's a little drink of water there if you need it. Um, <clears throat> olive first of all tell us tell us a little bit about your family introduce yourself and your family and what you do so we know a little bit about you can you do that
0: okay. um as phil has already said my name is olive fenton and i am mum
1: go, go up a wee bit just all right
0: um i am mum to uh, josh who's coming 25 in a couple of weeks and Naomi, uh, who is 23. Yes, I have a daughter called Naomi. (laughs) Yes,
1: I should have said that.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And uh, I'm at home really, um, but I love to come alongside people. Um, I'm a people person, and those who know me know I love to talk. Uh, Not on stage, mind you, this is the first, but uh, on the one-to-one. And uh, I love to come alongside people, uh, be a listening ear, and uh, just to encourage. And uh, when um, I'm able to, to be able to pray for and and with people.
1: Brilliant. Olive, um, I think it's nine years ago, yes. the unwelcome guest knocked at your door. Yeah. Um, the unwelcome guest of death. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah. that occasion?
0: Yes. Uh-huh. You were saying earlier, uh, Phil, in your sermon about uh, just unexpected, and going about normal things, and that was exactly uh, my story and my family story. Um, Ivor, my husband was uh, a big rugby fan, and we had been to um, a rugby game in Aviva Stadium in Dublin as a family. Uh, gone to church on Sunday morning as normal, and um, I should say though that uh, my husband used to have to go for regular checkups. He had a condition. Uh, with polyps and he had to go for regular checkups and on the Tuesday morning was normal like any other one he had uh, to go for this checkup and um, he got the train and Naomi went to school in Belfast he got the train in with her in the morning I picked him up in the afternoon and uh, we got uh, we live in Moira and I got as far as Moira Main Street and had to pull over he was in uh, excruciating pain and um, Uh, Long story short, he ended up going in by ambulance that night, the Tuesday night, into hospital and uh, went pretty much straight into intensive care. Uh, But whenever I got in to see him, he was actually on a ventilator and uh, he ended up being in intensive care for 12 weeks. Um, But through that time, um, it was day at a time and uh, I had an amazing church family family and friends who were praying for me and I knew and for Josh and Naomi because they were still teenagers at the time so uh, we, we were carried and I couldn't have got through it uh, or we couldn't as a family with, without our faith and without leaning on him as Holly has, has sung as well leaning on the everlasting arms mm, and that was exactly yeah. exactly what, what, what I did.
1: And after 12 weeks he passed away?
0: He, he passed away and uh, I remember Um, Shortly before that uh, I was taken into the the family room and I was speaking to one of the doctors and I remember him saying "You know that they had uh, tried every sort of medication, every sort of intervention and there was nothing more further that I could try. And I remember saying I appreciated that and I was very thankful uh, but that I believed in a God who healed today. And I remember him saying to me, um, uh, well I hope you prove me wrong. Uh, but, f- unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, but I remember leaving the hospital that day. My aunt and uncle had come up um, from Kildare to support my mum and dad. My mum and dad were, and still, thankfully, are fit and healthy, a great support to me. And uh, I remember going out through the door of the, the Royal in well, numb. And uh, I remember keeping saying, because the whole way through we totally believed that Ivor was going to be healed. We had wow. a prayer of faith. You know, we, we I had um And, and you, faith... would,
1: you would do that all again? I'm, I'm oh, sure. absolutely, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, I had faithful friends that were praying for me. I mean, I, I had uh, about three um, uh, solid friends that I sent texts to specific prayers of what to pray for. And we saw answer prayer in that time, but it was a roller coaster, you know. And I remember going out through the front door and uh, my uh, I kept saying... I. I believed that Ivor was going to be healed. I so believed he was going to be healed. And my aunt said, But he is. He's got full healing. Yeah. Wow. So and then that, that was it settled me and then, you know, I just day by day I got on with it.
1: Well can I ask you can I ask you what your immediate feelings were? Was there disappointment? Were you angry with God? Was there ever the those well,
0: not not angry but um well disbelief really and uh yeah disappointment you know why you know lord Mm -hmm. you healed today why did you not you know we we prayed believing we had faith to believe and uh i just um you know tried to figure that out but um god's word says you know our ways aren't his ways Mm. and i just came to, I, I decided a lot, you have to decide yourself what you're going to believe and, and what yeah. you're going to look to and what you're going to lean on and I, I had decided look, I wasn't going to find the answer this side of heaven yeah,
1: that's and when that's I really got to good. heaven
0: it wouldn't matter you know so it was a choice it yeah. was a choice
1: i think that's a really really good point just to go back to that that this side of heaven mm-hmm. i think that was my journey as well yeah. i used to say that you know when, when jill died i used to say that you know if if, if god were to, were to tell you why yeah you would just say why <laughs> 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 there'd be no answer to the why is that right. fair point that's right so yeah. that's really yeah. good yeah. can i ask you then um I know that I, I just have a few things wrote down here. There's, we, we, you and I both know that there's no prototype to grief, so you can't, there's no, this is the six laws or the yeah. six things that you do, because um, everybody's journey's different. Actually, there's a little slide there that I thought was, was really good. It simply says, you know, it takes as long as it takes. You know so be gentle on yourself mm-hmm. so uh, uh, is that a fair point you know so. if, if you're talking to people who are going through this journey what would you say to them about the grief journey how would you advise
0: well as you say every person's journey is different um but yes be kind to yourself and um, don't beat yourself up and um, lean totally i mean i just lent on scripture and his Word because you know his word is the same yesterday today and forever and when my life and some people here's lives totally change and um, are never the same again he is always the same and he is constant uh, so totally lean on his word and um, I soaked myself in scripture played worship music had it going uh, the whole time and my I was in intensive care I got the staff to put worship music on. Oh, lovely! And uh, one one instance, uh, I used to play a phone at night, and uh, I, and they would say, "Yes, we have your tapes, your CDs playing." At that stage, it was CD and cassette player, <laughs> our CD player. <laughs> and uh, and I remember one uh, we Filipino nurse. Um, I went in one day, and she was singing. She was singing like a worship song, well, <laughs> dancing, around, around his bed. And I remember her saying, "You know that he was a little unsettled." And as soon as he uh, she put the CD on he just settled totally down, you know. I didn't
1: I didn't ask you I didn't prompt you with this question yeah. but was there a particular verse was there one is there? was there one particular verse that was very special to you through this
0: uh, not one as such but I mean it was well I've always loved Jeremiah 29 and 11 Brilliant. And uh that verse, as I say, just because my circumstances changed, it didn't change that word or that, yeah. that promise. Yeah. Um, um Philippines four nineteen and my God should supply all your need according to uh the, his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And uh when I would have found it difficult to sleep at night, um, it was Isaiah twenty six, three and four. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is yeah, stayed on that. you mm. because he trusts in you trust in the Lord forever for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength and um, there was then Psalm 68 and 5 a father of the fatherless a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation mm-hmm. so I just leaned on his promises and his word um, back to your question um, you know what, what would you say to somebody who was going through and um, just surround yourself with with godly and um, people who you can just talk to without them talking back that they will listen and that they will pray for you and they'll just come alongside you as well
1: that's brilliant funny <clears throat> i met them um, i met a, a widower this week who's a pastor friend of mine his wife died just in the middle of COVID last year and he's 67 and had a great conversation with him this week and we were just chatting about this about you know, relying on God in the midst of this, mm-hmm. and uh, how how you can hone into God, and it is. The, I think you know, just to, to maybe finish it off, mm-hmm. those words of wisdom that because people can go either way in this crisis can well, that now.
0: was that was the choice as well that i was going to say that you know I, you have two choices you can either run to god or run from him yeah. and i most definitely chose to run to him because it's too big and any situation you're going through that is too big for you it's never too big for our god
1: yeah i love that and you know i was <clears throat> walking in the park with vinti recently and yeah well no vinti and anita lost anita and it was, you know, it was sent to him, you know, about running to your pain and not away from your pain, you know, because what can happen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sailor, I sail the sandbars, and you know, and the, the rules when you're doing your pilot's license and stuff like that, they teach you that you can't outrun a storm. Actually, the best thing to do as a sailor is turn and run into the storm. And it's a great practical thing, you know, to run into the storm because, um, and you're running into the arms of a, Back to God. God is the God who hugs, and you've found solace Absolutely. in that.
0: Absolutely. And Hebrews thirteen and fifteen, another verse. I mean, there were so many. And the Psalms. You started with Psalm sixteen. I mean, that was my that was my go-to Psalm. Oh, lovely. I love that. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, yeah, Hebrews thirteen and five. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, wow. these are promises. And um, Hebrews thirteen eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, right. yeah, that's testament to His goodness and His faithfulness, and also. Um, uh, to finish just about three weeks before I ever died I woke up with the, the words of the song Faithful One or the worship song Faithful One in my head and I just That's kept awesome. singing that and I still do, he still yeah. is the faithful He's one Is my rock Yep
1: hey. right. <clears throat> Let me tell you a story about that song <laughs> um, Jill died on a, Jill died on, on a Thursday more early hours of Thursday morning was buried on Saturday and on Sunday morning I got up to come to church and the girls And Philly and all said, Dad, what are you going to do? And I said, and it was Mother's Day. And um, she had organized all the little gifts for Mother's Day. She had them all organized. So I thought on that morning, if I didn't come to church, I mightn't mightn't come back. (laughs) And and I walked through the door there at the back, and they were playing that song. And um, (laughs) Catherine was leading worship. And she was Catherine Cunningham, was leading worship, and she was playing that song. So that song's been a special song to me That's ever, me. Yeah. ever since. And I, I remember after that, playing it and playing it and playing it. Give all of a round of applause. It's so good, isn't it? Um, can I just, can I just? finish off by saying a couple of wee things to you. this, this lovely. And again, thank you for being, these, these are big conversations and they're emotionally draining. And I'm sure you were saying yesterday, your head was full of that yesterday. So thank you for, because um, uh, it's not just coming up and doing this for 10 or 15 minutes. There's a lot of emotional stuff to go through to, to do a thing like this so I'm really appreciative and these are big things that we often don't talk about we don't talk about these things in church and it's important that we talk about and a good I will say a healthy church holds a robust theology of healing and a robust theology of suffering and a healthy church holds both and so what happens we live in an a now and not yet kingdom so you hear people get prayed for and get gloriously healed and then you hear And I think as a church, what we need to do is we need to pray for people to be healed. And that's why I I jumped in and asked you, would you do it all again? And you said you would, to pray for healing. So we're going to pray for healing to the last breath. But we're going to help people pass on gloriously well, because we're all going to go that way. Do you know that everybody that Jesus healed died? (laughs) Every single person that Jesus healed died. So... um, uh, it's appointed onto us all. But here's a little story, right? And we finish with this. Um, I, I, I love some good movies. A Narnia movie, this one, you know, The the Voyage of the Dawn Trader is a powerful movie. If you haven't watched it, you should watch the Narnia movies. And there's a, in this movie, I'm going to rack it for you if you haven't watched it. It's 2010, so you should have watched it by now. Um, but uh, in this movie, there's a painting on the wall of a ship, and it's this ship Called the the Dawn Trader, and um, this the painting literally comes to life. And instead of the kids going into Narnia through the wardrobe, they go going through the painting. And what happens in this painting? The painting actually comes to life, and the water in the painting actually starts to flood the room where they're standing. It's pretty incredible, incredible, and um, uh, and it's their portal into a different reality. It's our portal into a world called Narnia, into a world where there's a lion called Aslan, and the picture reframes what is possible. This is a beautiful thing. Reframe, reframing who they are, boys and girls who become kings and queens. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Bible is our portal. It's our portal into a world that's different. It's, in, it's, it's our portal into a world where, where it reframes possibility. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. It reframes reality. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has entered into the heart of man. The things that the Lord has planned for those that love him forever and people who have gone on before us. This is the thing. And this is the portal. And so here's the thing. I, I love that Olive is telling you this morning that she found strength by entering through this portal. This is this is, this awesome. Is, This is our way to Narnia. This is our way to become sons and daughters of a king. And may this flood your soul. May this word, may it become the thing in your life that gets you through life's struggles. Because here's the thing. When it's in the well, when it's in the well, when troubles come, you can drop the bucket. When it's in the well, when trouble comes, you can drop the bucket. And I say this all the time. Romans 8, or John 8, talks about... um, the truth will set you free. It's not exactly what it says. It says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So let me pray. I'm going to pray for all of them. May that be your portal. May that be your ship on the wall. May it no longer just be something that hangs in the wall that's nice to look at. May it no longer be something that sits on the shelf and you say, well, isn't that a nice book? But may it be something through which you enter into a whole new world a world of experience, a world of beauty, a world of sonship and daughtership, a world where anything is possible, a world which will actually reframe life forever one day because this life won't last forever. This world won't last forever and this is the word of God which reframes it all. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for Olive. Thank you for her bravery. Thank you for her wee family, for Joyce and for Naomi. Just pray your blessing on them as a journey in the life without a dad. Father, we just thank you for them. We thank you for um, Olive's faithfulness to you and thank you again for being able to come here this morning. May the Lord bless each and every one of her family at this time we pray. And Lord, I just pray for all of our church family, those who are going through hard times and grief and loss and difficulties. Lord, may the Bible become their portal through which they enter a whole new world, a world where you tell us anything is possible. We look to you, our God and our King, in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. Yes. Thank you service is over. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for coming into the building. Love you guys. Um, Have a great week and um, see you on Wednesday night at eight o'clock if you're free. Come and pray. Lord bless you. See you later.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk